Pretty amazing, isn't it? What a love that God has for us. Um, I have the privilege today to declare the word. Pastor Stacy asked me if I would uh, preach, and I said, sure. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing love and for your infinite mercy and grace that you have poured out upon each one of us through the demonstration of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that death could not hold you, that you are alive, ascended into the heavens, and from that exalted place you've poured out your spirit to live within the hearts of us, your people. Open your word that we might understand it more fully in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, and open it to John chapter 13 and uh, John chapter 14 and 1 John chapter... No, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kind of pull together some scriptures from 1 John 13 and 14, and uh, we will look at a little text in uh, the epistle of John, the first letter of John in the back of the New Testament, but what I'm really sensing God wants to... Um, to do is that he just wants me to talk about, well, my Christian life, but your Christian life, your life uh, is, in fact, Christ. Uh, the Christian life is actually, as probably most of you know, it's a call to live differently than all of the other people in the world. Have you noticed that? Um, it's a call to live well, miraculously, it's a call to live supernaturally by the power of another. And that's the piece that perhaps you've not yet fully accessed. Uh, it's a call to no longer live depending on yourself or your abilities, but it's uh, a call to live fully upon uh, the life or draw from the life uh, that now lives within you by the Spirit. And uh, this morning, I want to explore this transition. <clears throat> and we begin to see it unfolding in uh, John 13 and other places as well, in John 14. But um, if you look at John 13, the first verse of chapter 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. So you begin to see transition at that point, that Jesus' hour had come. Now, the disciples didn't fully know what that meant, and, uh, and yet Jesus knew what it meant. And if you read a little bit further down, uh, it says that he, uh, knowing that, verse 3, the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, that is the Father, and was going back to him. Transition. And uh, as we explore this transition, not only of Jesus' earthly ministry uh, to his um, eternal uh, ministry among us by the Spirit, but we also begin to see how our lives can transition. And I think that's really what Jesus is beginning to declare to his disciples in his telling them that he's going away, because he had something better. Uh, let's slide down, if you will, to verse, uh, well, 12. We'll start reading there. And we'll, I want to give you a couple of examples. And verse 12 of chapter 13, it says, And when he, uh, 
at this time of the Passover, Jesus, it says, took his outer garments off and girded himself with a towel. Uh, and so, when he had washed their feet, uh, taking his garments, he sat down again and he said to them, now Jesus washed their feet. And Peter sort of said, oh, no, not, not, not me, Lord, not, you know, all that preceding this. But he looked at them and he said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and that's right, or, or so I am. Um, you've spoken well. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now remember, Jesus was getting ready to go back to the Father. He was transitioning. And he gives them an example by stripping himself to, of his outer garments, taking a towel, and probably getting on his, his knees and coming to his disciples and beginning to pour water in a basin and wash their grimy feet. And when Jesus was finished, he got up and he said, do you all know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and so I am. And if I, your teacher and Lord, have done this for you, then you ought to do this for one another. You see, washing the disciples' feet, Jesus was giving them an example that they should do as he had done. Well, the first thing I want you to do to see here is that as Jesus is transitioning, he says to them, um, do as I have done. Why? Because I'm leaving. Now you do as I have done. Do uh, as Jesus did. He gives us an example, not only that we would emulate him, but you'll see as we go through this passage and a couple in the next chapter, that Jesus is going to tell them how that's so. And many in the Christian life, I think, as I've looked out over my short 40 years as a Christian, many people in the Christian life have come to this place that if I believe in Jesus, then I'll try to do the, the things that, you know, good Christians do. I won't drink anymore or not much. I won't smoke anymore or not much. I won't cuss anymore or not much. You know, I'll, I'll try to clean up my act. And all of that suggests that many people understand the Christian life in such a way that, that they try to clean up themselves. In other words, they live out of their own innate abilities. And in the strength of your own power, we can actually accomplish a lot. But in terms of spiritual reality and eternity, it doesn't amount to very much. So Jesus then gives them an example, washing their feet, and he said, you know what I've done? Um, if I'm your teacher and Lord have done this, you ought to do the same. And I think of James chapter 1, just you don't need to turn there, verse 25, it says, do not be forgetful hearers, but doers of the work. It's the work of Jesus that Jesus was pointing to, that as you have seen me do, that's a key that I'm asking you to begin to do the stuff I did. Look at your neighbor's feet. Okay. Um, so Jesus calls his disciples to do as Jesus did. 
And then if we slip over into the latter part of that text, we'll see another example. I'm just stringing these together like, I don't know, beads on a necklace, so to speak. Uh, Jesus, we come to uh, verse 34, and Jesus says to them, uh, now a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now remember, do as I do, as I've done to you, you do, do as I do. And now he starts to talk about love as I love. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Because uh, as you do this, love one another, and you know one another is bigger than the one or the other next to you right now. One another is whoever's in your life. Like the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. Remember the guy that was robbed? Who's your neighbor? Who's the whosoever? Well, it's the person next to you. And by this, by the quality of love that you have one for another, all men will know that you're my disciples if you really have love for another. So Jesus said, do as I do. And then he says, uh, love as I have loved. That becomes sort of the standard. But still we're left with, okay, do as I do, love as I loved. How do I do as you do or love as you loved? Because we've all tried to love and have failed at times. Thank you, Betty. I see that hand. <laughs> you see, we all see that in our own uh, power or abilities, we fall woefully short in living the Christian life. We don't always do as Jesus did. We don't always love as Jesus loved. Given the right circumstantial spark, any of us can flare into, well, a not-so-pretty picture. Uh, so Jesus said, okay, just do as I do, and then a new commandment, love as I love. Um, and a little bit later, one chapter later, Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than a man lay down his life for a friend. Oh, that's what loving another person means, lay down your life. It's one thing to lay down your garments and wash feet, but lay down your life uh, for another person. And now in 1 John chapter 4, it says, uh, we have known and believed the love that God has for us because God is love. Now, he who abides in that love, abides in God, and God in him. So see, now we're starting, this is transition. How do we do what Jesus did is the question. How do we love as Jesus loved is another question. Um, and uh, Jesus uh, says that I'm going to show you how to do that because it's not in your own strength that you'll be able to do as I've done. It's not in your own ability that you'll be able to love as I have uh, loved um, or walk as I have walked. You see, we know that we have passed from life, John, 1 John 3 says, we know that we've passed from death into life because we love. You see, if you don't have a knowing in the core of who you are as a man or a woman that you're enabled to love even when it gets difficult, when people are ugly to you, when people say stupid things, or when you say stupid things, 
You see, if you don't have the knowing that there's something more core about who you are, then we don't have confidence. You see, we know that we've, we've passed from life into death because we love one another. And loving other people requires something of me if I'm going to do as Jesus did. It requires something of me if I'm going to love as Jesus loved, and it means that I have to get out of the way. Because there are times when I just don't want to do what Jesus did or love as Jesus loved, and that's true for you as well. Well, in 1 John 2, then again, uh, it says, if you abide in him, then walk as Jesus walked. Live your life as Jesus would live his life. So we have, well, do as Jesus did, love as Jesus loved, now walk as Jesus walked. In other words, live your life as Jesus lived his life. So we, well, how, okay, I'm a follower, Jesus, I'm a disciple, I'm, I'm in, but how do I then do this? And that's the transition that you see in, first John, in John 13 and 14. Jesus begins to tell them how they can do this thing called the Christian life because some of us are failing miserably because we're trying to do it in our own strength and it is absolutely impossible in your own strength. Oh, you can dress it up. You can put lipstick on the pig. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, can, you can make yourself look pretty good in the eyes of other people, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about what is the power source by which we can actually be transformed people and make a difference in the world so that people go, you're different. How will people know unless you have love one for another? So let's go, let's look at this. How do we do this thing uh, then? So um, how do we do as Jesus did? How do we love as Jesus loved? How do we walk as Jesus walked? How do we live our life as Jesus would live his life is the question for us this morning. Uh, now we're back in John chapter 14, 13 and 14, this transitional uh, sort of uh, text. And in John 14, 6, uh, let me read uh, this to you. Uh, John 14, 6, it says... Um, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, Jesus was saying to them, look, I'm the way. Oh, okay, I get that. You're the door. Got to go through you. Uh, I am the truth. They're falsehood. A lot of, uh, you're the truth. But Jesus said, I am the life. The way I get. The truth I sort of understand. But he's the life. Ah, oh, see, that's, now we're getting at how this thing, the mechanics of how this thing works. Jesus has to actually become your life, Steve. Jesus is the life, which means I'm no longer the life. Jesus is the life. If we read a, a little further here uh, in uh, John 14, 10, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. You see, here's, here's the truth, that we have to recognize that Jesus is our life. And then in John 14, 10, uh, we recognize who's in us. And that's what Jesus was pointing to. The Father who dwells in me does the work. He wasn't pointing to himself. 
But most of us point to ourselves, either in our successes or in our failures. So one of the keys then is to recognize that Jesus is our life, and, and Jesus said in John 14, 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Let's look at one more text here in John 14. This one is in verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, you will do also, and even greater works than these because I go to the Father. See, do the work doing what Jesus did, loving as Jesus loved, walking as Jesus walked, and you're going to do even greater things than these. Why? Because I go to the Father. You're, because you're exiting, we're going to do greater things? No, because that's not the end of the story. And most Christians stop there. Jesus died for my sin. He was raised from the dead. He was ascended back to the Father. And now I can live the Christian life in my own steam. Eh. That's not it. That's not the full gospel. The gospel is that there is something more than Jesus paying for your sin so that your sin now is separated from you. He makes you holy so that he now who is holy can come and make his residence in your heart. That's the key to doing as Jesus did, loving as Jesus loved, walking as Jesus walked. Now, let's look, look at that. Um, if you look at John 14, we're still there. Let's look at verse 16, and I'll fi 15 and following, and I'll end with this. Jesus said to them, do as I've done. I've washed your feet. Uh, love as I have loved. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. So you get to love as I love. And then he says, verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will pray. That means I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Oh, shucks. I get another helper. You see, I need all the help I can get. And if you've not yet made that discovery, you're still walking in your own power and your own resources, and you're disappointing yourself and people all around you. And you're robbing people in the community of seeing the difference that Jesus makes. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you really have the love of Jesus down deep down in your soul. Wasn't that a song? I got the love of Jesus down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Okay. Um, so uh, I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he would abide with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Now, some people, well, one person has asked me, why do you always emphasize the Holy Spirit? Well, because him, it's like, duh. Uh, without him, I'm nothing. I can be forgiven through the cross. The blood of Jesus makes me clean, and now I'm clean. Just to live like I've always lived without his power and his resources and his presence living in our life. You see, and most of the church are absolutely ignorant of the something more that God promised to give us. His very presence to live in us, as the scripture here says, another helper, he will abide with you forever. He's the spirit of, the, of truth. The world can't receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him 
because he dwells with you, he will be in you. And then in verse 18, not only will he be in you and live your life in you, because of that, I will never leave you. Uh, orphans, I will come to you. That's why we're no longer slaves. We're no longer orphans. We're children. How do people become children? This is biology 101. (laughs) You have been begotten from another. And so it is with the spiritual life. We have been born into life from the Father. That life germ of the Word has made something different on the inside, which is transformational, that gives me a new birth from above. That's what is required. And when that occurs, when we recognize that Jesus is everything I need, that begins to change things. And on that basis, the Spirit of God is then now free to come and fill your life. All of your life recesses with his life. I am the life, Jesus said. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ wants to be to you now what the Father was to him then. See, Christ wants to be to you now what the Father was to him uh, then. This requires the mechanism, of course, of faith, to believe what God has said. We simply learn to expose every situation to the Lord Jesus. You see, you're not enough. I'm not enough. I wasn't supposed to be enough. Quit beating myself up for not being enough. Guess what? He's enough. Oh, he's enough. He is all I need. He is all I need. He is all I need. We sing the songs, but then we live our lives as if he's not enough. He's not all we need. I'm what I need. No, you're not what you need. He's what you need. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Jesus, I mean fully with all of your life, take all of your chips, that's a poker illustration, and put them all in the middle of the table and say, God, I am now all in. I play cards. Because it's not about me, it's about Jesus. I think Jesus would hang out with card players. After all, they called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. Was he either? No. He just hung with those people who were. Okay, where am I? Okay, then expose every situation to the Lord Jesus in humble dependence upon his adequacy. He is your adequacy. So when you come to that big presentation that you have to do at work, and you're not given to public speaking and you're scared half to death. You know what I mean. You just say, Jesus, this isn't me. It's you. You are my adequacy, and I'm preparing, I'm doing what you've told me to do, and now I'm simply going to walk in faith and do as you're directing me to do because it's now you living your life in me to will and to accomplish uh, your own purpose. You see... It is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. When you take that new job and you're scared half to death, they're asking you to do stuff you've never done before. That relate to anybody here? All of us. <laughs> Stacy, you're going. <laughs> so it's not, aren't you glad it's not about him? It's not about me. It's about Jesus in us. So if we can simply remember that moment by moment, day by day, you're not adequate. He is adequate. You're dead. He's alive. Jesus in me is the life. He will give you everything that you need. 
in every circumstance that you need it. You see, you are the hands that do. You are the heart that loves. You have the feet that walk as Jesus walked. You have the life of Jesus in you to live as Jesus lived. On whom then are you depending really? That's the $64,000 question for some of you this morning. Who are you really depending on? Are you depending on you? Or will you depend upon the power and the person of the Spirit? If you're depending on yourself, it's really easy to fix. You simply say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I recognize I'm trying to do this in my own strength. And God sort of goes, yeah, I know. But that's why I died. That's why the Holy Spirit has come. Simply turn and receive me today.